Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, and I am here with two special guests today, Blue Canaries and Game Tech Politics. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose, live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy of communism's infiltration into the United States of America, the usurping of our Constitution, the infiltration of our political, our social, our cultural, our institutional, our academic domains, and the takeover of our supply chain and the destruction of our infrastructure, all leading to World War III and global domination by the global oligarchy. And we are here to stop it with these plethora of information coming at you and these two people to my left and right right here blue canaries and game tech politics have been right at the heart of the matter they are researchers and investigators journalists uh, who wish to remain anonymous but have been putting out massive amounts of research and information on these various topics of what is happening in the world so i'd like to welcome them to the red pill project's daily dose blue canaries game tech politics welcome guys how are we doing tonight i'm doing great thank you thank you for having us Game there? Oh, game's there. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for uh, having me again. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we had a great conversation the other night, didn't we? Uh, to say the least. And it was it was very interesting. And just the, the back channels of the conversation was even better. I wish that we could have revealed a lot of uh, classified stuff, but we weren't allowed to because uh, we don't want to end up going to prison. But uh, it, it, was, it was a very... Um, it was a, the highlight of my week, Josh, and I appreciate you uh, taking and inviting me on uh, for the second time, uh, as well as uh, my partner in crime, Blue Canaries. Well, fantastic. Well, I, I'm overjoyed to have you guys here. Um, and, you know, we a lot of people watch that show, Game Tech, and, and they're like, oh, my God, you got to have him back on. So when you hit me up this week, I'm like, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. Let's get this out there. So. What I want to know is, is firstly, I, I've been deleted from Twitter more times than I can count. My first original account still is not activated yet. Um, Blue Canaries, you and I used to follow each other. I think we've, we've talked a few times on Twitter back in the day on research and stuff like this. I know you've been around for a while. I know you've been doing this for a long time. Game Tech, you as well. Um, tell me how you guys got started in all this. Is this just <laughs> something that kind of just happened or is it something that was just natural for you? Should I take this one, Blue? <laughs> yes, you go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it, it was by accident, Josh. Um, completely, what it was uh, spontaneous. Basically, uh, a person that had been following me for quite a while knew that I was highlighting this metabiota stuff like crazy, and I have been doing this story for you know over a year and a half. Um, and ever since I, I ended up getting the Hunter Biden laptop, the copy of the hard drive and how I wanted to do the story was uh, when I looked at the laptop, everyone was talking about Burisma, China, the cobalt mining field, all these investments that Hunter Biden was into. And then the social media aspect of it, a lot of social media influencers wanted to highlight the drug and the prostitution and and you know his addictions so i wanted to kind of see if there was a story 
that I could tell that no one else was telling. And I started looking through his investments and I found an investment that he made uh, called Metabiota. When I looked into Metabiota, I was shocked by what type of company it was. It was a pandemic response company. Um, and so when I started highlighting those things and, and digging a little bit further into it, somebody tagged me into uh, Blue's thread. And, you know, when you get, you get, ta- Josh, I know you get tagged in a lot of threads every single day. Uh, especially by your followers and listeners. So sometimes you don't get a chance to look through that thread meticulously because you're so busy. Well, that's, that's kind of what happened with me. And then uh, later on that evening, I, I started reading it because I was interested to seeing if there was any details that I really haven't covered in this thread. Right. When I read it, when I read it, it was like, the first, the first two or three lines of the thread, I was just like, okay, this is, this is spot on. And then the fourth and the fifth, and I was like, okay, this is actually incredible fucking work. Uh, pardon my language. Oh, uh, and it was like this person, the, the, what I was really, what I was really um, uh, very, what do you call it? I I was shocked on was the fact that she ended up taking it in no direction. There was no direction on what she was trying to accomplish. She was just putting out facts with zero speculation, zero opinion and no direction for anybody to go into. And it was just a phenomenal thread. And uh, once I read that thread in its entirety, I immediately uh, wanted to do a, a space with her on Twitter spaces. And I ended up getting Mike McCormick, uh, which was a stenographer from, from the white house for the past 18 years. Uh, and an author, um, a highly incredible journalist. I love him to death. He's just such a great guy. And then uh, as well as blue. And so blue was really reluctant to, to even do this thing. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, I don't think she wanted to, <laughs> I'm not going to speak for her. She can, she can highlight that herself. No, he, he's but, right. <laughs> but once I started talking to her, uh, she was so eloquently speaking, it, it shocked me even further. So I was very impressed with Blue. The, the space turned out wonderfully. And we have literally done hundreds of spaces together. And, t- you know, time and time again, we, we would highlight the important, you know, important parts that society needs to know. And she's just a great team, uh, a, a great team player. And, and I, I couldn't, it just worked out beautifully. The relationship is, is perfect. That, that's awesome. Blue Canaries. I want to hear your side. Um, it, it's, it, it's basically the same. Um, except I thought like, you know, you have somebody in your DM stalking you at, keep asking you about like how did you get this in, you know where did you get this information yeah, she thought I, was crazy. I thought he was like stalking me and um and then i was like sending people out to look who is this guy <laughs> what do you have on him is he an agent am i gonna get in trouble for talking to him um no you but you know every after the first phase it was um 
I realized it was just like, yeah, I could totally, um, I had some, um, you know, anxiety going on spaces and talking just, just because, you know, it opens up a whole new, new avenue, you know, sitting behind um, the keyboard typing and writing and, and doing your, you know, writer, they just like to do that. And uh, so, you know, you have, everybody has their own, but he was able to right. get, get me out of my comfort zone. I mean, and, um, and give me the time and, and uh, to get on the spaces with him. And he didn't lead them and um, it worked out really well. And that's awesome. And so I, I'm curious, what is your guys's background? If you don't mind me asking, if you can give some of that away. Uh, well, uh, my I, background. Ahead, you go first. You go first, Gabe. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't do it. I, I was an intel analyst in the military uh, for quite quite some time. And uh, then uh, I got into uh, the private sector uh, after I, I left the military and, um, and started doing a lot of uh, software analyst type uh, jobs. Um, and then it got into COVID happened. And that's when I took and started delving into uh, uh, getting out um, the narrative, uh, basically countering the narrative that the media and the government does through psyops, and I've been a part of a team that that uh, get basically we break stories before the story gets broke. We don't really steal any type of journalist work. We just highlight what the journalists are going to do, right. and and that's the that, that's the key difference. Is is we we don't try to step on anybody's toes. We just have a lot, and Josh, you know this, we have a lot of great, absolutely great sources everywhere, uh, in D.C., in the intelligence community, in Congress, in, in uh, the media. Uh, we find out what journalist uh, assignments are, are going, uh, going on. Uh, we find out the direction that they're going to take their stories. We vet them. We look into the, the background of these stories, and then we just basically highlight the stories to the public about what's going to come, what they're going to see in the future. And uh, I've done 32 stories in the past three years. And I have to say that all 32 has come in into fruition, uh, especially this latest one with the uh, UFO retrieval and, and uh, extraterrestrial retrieval story. We, we highlighted that on May 19th. We did a lot of spaces uh, covering that. And then, lo and behold, the Monday before last, uh, the initial story came out. And then last Sunday, the full story came out. So I got an incredible team behind me. And and um, so that's kind of my background on that. Awesome. And Blue Canary, we got you back. So yes. what, what's your background? Um, I don't I don't have such a um, <laughs> such a resume as game does. Um, I worked in. Um, Actually, I worked in speech therapy and um, in special ed for for many years and um, then left my career to homeschool my children about 12 years ago. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, it, it, and during the time of homeschooling, 
there's just been so many things that I've learned that I wasn't told and I wasn't taught. And the more that we explored together, you know, we would, I would take my kids here or there to learn different things. And I would learn so many new things. And I was like, Oh, this isn't even what, how did I not know this, you know? And so um, through all those experiences and, and, it's just very odd. I've been put in some very strange predicaments and, and situations where I've learned the truths about things that um, I, I was almost like, why God am I here? Because I, I don't even know why I'm here and why I'm hearing this. Um, but, you know, I've had lots of truths disclosed on many different levels that, um, and, and I just, I just kept researching because, you know, I don't want to give the information to my children that's wrong. Um, so to me, it was all about um, teaching them the right thing and letting them know what, you know, what, what really happened in history. So that's kind of where I've, my background. Well, I, I appreciate she, you guys she's very, she, she's very talented in creating threads, very organized. I, 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 um, I that. And um, I appreciate you guys for giving us the background. And the reason I, I asked for the background and kind of your guys' history, um, because it brings a level of kind of legitimacy to what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is taking back over the domain of information. What we're talking about is citizen journalists, people going out there and doing the research that's needed to be done and getting that in research in a, uh, a methodology that can be disseminated for people to truly understand. And this is like the big thing that I talk about uh, on this platform is that if we, and I call domains kind of like you have a social domain, you have a cultural domain, you have a political domain, right? And these are all the things that formulate our society. And when we start looking at this in the sense of how society is built up and how society is constructed, we start noticing that the way this evil is kind of taking over this world through infiltration is by slowly infiltrating each one of these subdomains at a time. And I'm going to show um, a, a little chart here, um, if I can find it real quick, that I just made up. It's very generic, but it, but it brings this into perspective because I, I want everybody out there in the audience to know or people who listen to this to understand that there are things that you can do. You can, you can go out there, you can research, you can dig, you can break the next big story just by going out there and uncovering these truths because a lot of this information is in the public domain. A lot of this information is out there for everybody to see and discover. You just have to find it. You have to uncover it. You have to go out there and you have to dig into it to finally understand how that connection can be made. <clears throat> and so, and in, in here, I got it right here. Let me pull this up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been having some extra flood in my throat. Copy. To, to, kind of, to kind of carry on to that, um, people, you know, I really could not do the, do my job without my followers and without, see, I, I, I think of it as a team. It's a team effort, Josh. It's not, if, if I was to sit there and highlight all, all of this, uh, all of these news stories, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be impactful unless I had followers behind me parroting that information. And that's the key thing is that when, when they listen to me, they know that they have, they have, uh, the truth. They have only facts. I don't do speculative stories. I don't do opinionated stories. Uh, the first time that I, I put speculation and opinion in and it ends up wrong, there goes my integrity. Right. So what I really rely on uh, is the fact that when, when I do 
report on the, the, these stories that the, my followers know that there's a, a cemented, uh, a cemented, uh, uh, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm telling the truth. Right. There's a foundation of what you're saying. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that they, they parrot that information because if they parrot that information, it gets out there to other domains as well. And, and it's very helpful that people pass along this information. I, I can't do it by myself. Right. I, I agree with you. And, and so this is kind of what I'm talking about is you have all these domains that make up our society, right? You have your social, cultural, institutional, political, health, academic, and this builds your supply chain, your infrastructure, your laws and policy, which then bring to the global aspect, your economic and your environmental and your geopolitical. But the interesting thing is that every single one of these domains, subdomains, are surrounded by the domain of information. That the control of information is necessary for the control of every single one of these domains. And what we've seen over the last five to six years is we've seen the taking back of the information domain. Things like uh, Elon Musk and Twitter, whatever people think about him, it doesn't matter. We have free speech back on Twitter. We're getting our accounts back. Donald Trump going out there for the last seven years and, and talking about the fake news. What have we seen? We've seen a massive decline in the mainstream news of ratings. And Tucker Carlson, 126 million views in two days on two episodes. He just got like 67 million views on his last episode. What this is telling us is that the domain, the control of the domain of information has switched and has been taken back. It reminds me of the Mike Flynn uh, quote from, from 2016 where he talks, we need an army of digital soldiers. Well, he was right. And this is exactly what we've seen. And what you guys have been a part of and helping do is exactly that, is taking back that domain of information. Because if the global cabal elite or you know the oligarchs, whatever you want to call them, if they do not control the information, they do not control the world. Information is the new currency that runs the world. And this is so critically important. So I wanted to preface this because we're going to get into some kind of, uh, we're going to talk about the metabiotic story. We're going to talk about some other things that you guys are working as well. Maybe some connections, Jeffrey Epstein, Ysling Maxwell, all these things. But these are critically important. And these are things that everybody out there can start researching and digging into. So, um, you know, I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate all the work that you guys have done. But I wanted to preface the information that information is key in today's society. That this is why money is switching over to a digital currency because money is now information. Information is now money. It is the currency that makes this world go around. Whoever controls the information dissemination, whoever controls the flavor of that information, how that that information is polarized one way or the not. They are the ones that shift culture. They are the ones that shift politics and decide what happens in the world. And if this is left up to the people, then we're going to have ultimately freedom. If this is left up to the bureaucrats, the deep state and the politicians and the globalists, and we're going to have a totalitarian infrastructure. You're, you're exactly right. And, and that's like, um, it was probably 12 years, uh, 10 years ago, when I was on a textbook committee for the state of Texas, where we would review the textbooks um, that were being used in before they would be adopted to be used in the schools. And we were, you know, to go through each textbook to see how many errors and different things and, uh, and locate basically the uh, we didn't call it misinformation they were errors mm -hmm. um, in the textbooks and social studies history and government books and I, I mean I learned so much through that process that they allow like up to 150 errors in each book 
Um, beyond that, the books can be excluded. But it, up until that point, they are allowed so many errors in the textbooks. And that's when I was like, wait a minute, why are they doing this? Why are they allowing all of these errors in the textbooks? These kids are getting the, completely the wrong information. Um, and that's, I mean, that was the point where I would, knew that, okay, my kids aren't going back to public school if I could have anything to do with it. Because, I, I mean, why do you want your children to learn um, the wrong facts? Because, you know, on a global scale, our, our kids are considered dumb, where Americans are really dumb. Um, and so, um, to me, I, that's, it, it challenged me to find out the truth as much as I could about everything. But then it also, like I said, opened my eyes to uh, the, just the false information um, going back that long of how much um, the, the children have been um, taught the wrong things in the school districts. Yeah. Could I elaborate on that? Um, real quickly, if, if you allow me to go on a, a 30 second rant, I need the audience to know before we get into the metabiota stuff, I need the audience to know this is the truth. You are being programmed. Literally by our, our, our government, you are being programmed. And I'll, I'll, and I'll highlight how. Um, you know, look at the 2020, uh, the year of 2020. We, we found out through the Twitter files that, you know, uh, Twitter de-amplified voices of reason by blocking them, censoring them, shutting down their accounts. And they amplified voices of division. In, in your algorithm. And, and they also took and, and even tried to change your lexicon. In, in 2018, there was an active campaign by these three-letter agencies to change your lexicon and use the word misinformation or disinformation. And, and, and I guarantee you, every single one of you, if you really look prior to 2018 and you think about this, when, when have you really used those two words in your everyday lexicon? You haven't. And, and so it goes to show you that they not only control the information that gets out, but they also control the way that you speak. And, and you'll see those little labels on your tweets, uh, you know, two years or before pre-Elon Musk, you would see those, those uh, little, you know, disinformation or misinformation labels. That was designed. That wasn't just, you know, organically made by some little nerd in, in an office. No, this was designed and, and, and uh, infiltrated by our government to really control the narrative and to control the information getting out to you. Yeah, you know, um, when after the first purge, uh, I think we had a little over kind of 200,000 subscribers amongst all of our channels. We were monetized through Patreon and we got shut down. Um, I was devastated. I mean, absolutely devastated. Then, you know, we brought it back. We got, we survived with most of the subscribers and then we got ejected again and uh, just never gave up and we kept on going. But the one thing that I came out of it with was the creation of the Red Pill Project. And we have a motto. It's never believe anything anybody tells you, no matter who they are, or what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it through your own research, investigation, inquiry, and through your own volition. And I think that that is critically important in this day and age because exactly what you're talking about on Twitter, the, the federal government was working behind the scenes, DHS, FBI, directly from the White House, implementing various different programs on social media to discredit American citizens, violate their First Amendment rights and discredit them in a way that promulgates disinformation, misinformation by claiming that they're 
disinformation and misinformation, the double speak from 1984. And, and what this does is, is bifold is that number one, it silences me and you in the opposition to their narrative. But number two is it entrains the people who see it to believe that since it comes from an authority, it is therefore the truth. And they build this within to their factual foundation or what they believe to be a factual foundation and their repertoire in the, how they argue with people. And, and this is a massive psychological warfare operation that's going on right now. You're, you're, it, that's exactly right. <laughs> it, it, it's, um, it's so frustrating um, to even um, to try to have conversations with some people because they're they just shut you down or you'll actually, you know, you don't even have a chance to talk. Um, and I've been at many, many locations, many places and even in um, seminars where um, I've actually been told, oh, let me get back with you at the end. Let me let me let me answer your question at the end. And I know it's because I'm hitting a point where they don't it, it's a truth that they don't want or it's not ready to to come out because, um, you know, they, they they try to silence everybody that has um, that knows the truth or speaks the truth. And um, so it, it, it's been very frustrating, but I'm very thankful that people are coming together again and being able to speak the truth with each other and, and hopefully get the information out to others. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to transition now into some of this truth. And one of the things when the special military operation began in Ukraine, this is when a lot of this stuff was actually uncovered afterwards. And we were seeing a lot of these tactics being utilized. And one thing I know from, you know, being former military is that Russia is our masters of propaganda, disinformation and psychological warfare. These people know exactly how to implement these operations. They know how to perpetuate these operations. Um, but when they went into Ukraine, there were certain things that we all began to see. We began to see that there was something wrong with this whole situation. That, uh, you know, Ukraine, a non-NATO nation, uh, and not, we're not dependent upon them on trade. Um, you know, Russia had no intention. We could see through the buildup of military uh, personnel and so forth to do anything other than do the, the, the Donbass region that go in for the small military operation. Um, but when they went in, it was interesting because they took out very strategic points. They went after critical infrastructure. They went after energy. They went after airports. And then they went after these other facilities that we really didn't know what they were at first. And there was speculation that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go into Kiev, but they, they never really did. And, uh, you know, then you start seeing on many different podcasts, this image show up here. And it, it's this one right here. And. We start hearing about biolabs in Ukraine and the research that's going on, on the, in those biolabs. So I mean, Blue or, or Game, take us through this. What, what, was, what was happening here? What was your guys' epiphany when you, when you kind of found this? I know, Game, you said that you discovered the Matabayata um, investment from I, probably Rosemont Seneca or one of Hunter Biden's companies. So, so kind of take us through this. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll begin and then allow... Blue, she's the encyclopedia of this this whole venture. She's got, you know, she's she's you'll you'll hear in just a second how incredible she is with this information. But uh, you know, to to kind of give you a, a brief a brief cover um, before we delve into the complete details, Hunter Biden helped Metabiota. Uh, Hunter Biden had a company called Rosemont Seneca. Uh, with Christopher Hines. So you had the vice president's son and you had the secretary of state's son 
creating a company called Rosemont Seneca. And Hunter Biden and Chris Hines helped my uh, Metabiota get contracts, uh, specifically in, in Ukraine. Um, and the reason he did this was because his firm, uh, Rosemont Seneca, had an ownership in Metabiota. They, they had an initial investment into Metabiota. And after their initial investment, you guys can look this up in real time. The audience can literally look at this for themselves. They can go on to the Department of Defense's website and, and look at the federal contracts and see that, uh, you know, after Hunter Biden's initial investment in February of 2014, that the Department of Defense gave Metabiota uh, contracts uh, throughout the whole world, not specifically in, in Ukraine, but Ukraine is a, a big, uh, a big part of this. Um, and and a, a lot of this information that uh, you can get through the Hunter Biden laptop, uh, there was a basically kind of like an uh, an aide to Hunter Biden. His name's Eric uh, Schwerin, uh, Schwerin, and uh, he's the one who kind of drafted all of the emails and the correspondence between Hunter Biden and Metabiota, because basically Hunter's a, uh, Hunter was a lazy ass. And so this Eric would, would draft these emails, send them to Hunter. Hunter would either approve or disapprove of them. And then Eric would send them on through to Metabiota. So there, there's, there's kind of like the, the um, evidence showing the correspondence not only the the investment, the financial side of it, uh, do we have proof of, we also have correspondence proof of all of this. Now, what Hunter Biden did uh, specifically uh, through this was they, they helped Metabiota get government contracts through a, a, prime, a prime contractor called Black, Black and Beach uh, mm -hmm. through Ukraine. And we know this uh, specifically because of the amount of correspondence uh, through Metabiota and uh, Rosemont Seneca, um, they highlighted the key details and the plans that were going to occur of this. So I'll allow uh, Blue to kind of continue on. And, you know, I, I do want to highlight this. We mentioned Hunter Biden because it's sensational. It's not just because it's a fact, because everything that we're saying is a fact. We just, we, we highlight Hunter Biden because people's ears perk up because this is another sort of um, scandal. And I think it's a bigger scandal than Burisma or China. Um, mm -hmm. But Hunter is very, has a very small role in this. Uh, Metabiota, you know, who's, that was founded by a guy by the na uh, name Nathan Wolf. Um, that's what's really at the heart of the story. And I'll let Blue kind of continue on from there. Okay, so um, prior to uh, the Russians going in um, in March, um, it, it, what you had was it, in October of uh, it was um, 2020. I was reporting on bio labs in Ukraine, and I started looking into oh, there's bio labs in Ukraine, and um, and. As you know, I started mapping them out and started to see where they were at. And that that one map with the 
with the lab locations and then somebody took and overlaid where the um where the fights began in ukraine that that initial uh map was what i created um from the information that i had um and so i started looking into um and, and I posed a question to everybody. I think it was at the end of February. I, I got removed from Twitter in March of, of uh, last, uh, actually, it was 2021. I got removed from Twitter for being a Russian bot. So go figure. <laughs> uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, it, it, with no explanation other than we, we thought you were a bot. We got an apology letter in July. But when the war was starting, I was like, okay, so now we're going to be starting a war in Ukraine. Who's going to be protecting our biolabs? That's the question I posed. I, I, I knew there were biolabs there. My question was, who's going to protect them? Because as you could see, was the, the, or the Russians were coming in and they were going to attack them. So I just posed the simple question, who's going to protect our biolabs? Because I knew they were there. But the response from the government was that we don't have any biolabs there. And, and so then it was like, this isn't right, you know. <laughs> um, so I knew they were there. And yes, yeah, so we, uh, so the, the important thing to also note is that um, Metabiota has a nonprofit side as well, which was Global Viral. And Global Viral and Metabiota got, they got the same contract. They, they actually got um, contracts for the same projects. So not only was Nathan Wolf being funded through um, the corporate side and raising all the, the, the big dollars on the corporate side, but he also had a nonprofit that was also receiving money from the government at the same time for the same contracts. And um, so he was in the uh, viral su surveillance um, and, um, you know, looking for, uh, for the for the um, viruses that could be go from animals to humans, which is the zoo, zoonotic type of research for the gain of function research. So it was specific things that he was looking for and was being funded by, um, you know, the Nathan Wolf's company was being funded through the, through the government. Um, uh, it was the uh, USAID program which yep. was um, the PREDICT program, which was going on. Um, but he initially got his funding um, much earlier because he was the one that was at the, um, he was the one that was um, investigating Ebola way, way before the outbreak. So he was in 2012, he was awarded 3.1 million um, to, to research Ebola. Now, we didn't have the Ebola outbreak until 2014 to 2015. So he was there prior to the outbreak and then during the outbreak. And that's that's a really uh, key point because they completely botched the the um, in all the reports that I've read um, the his response in handling of the Ebola situation was just terrible. That's the reason why it, it got out of the country. It's the reason why it got so um, they had poor um, um, sanitation. They were using the same needles. Some people weren't using gloves. I mean, it was just very bad situation. And and, and from what I heard from people on and, the ground, you can, yeah, yeah, they said you, that you can also take 
I'm, I'm sorry, Blue, to interrupt. I just wanted to highlight to the audience. You can also look this up. Uh, if you look at the CBS uh, in, uh, Associated Press article about uh, Nathan Wolf and his company, Metabiota, uh, handling the Ebola outbreak, even the media was lambashing the, the company for this outbreak. Uh, they, they completely bungled this outbreak. And, and you know, if, if you could uh, highlight the fact that uh, the, the cell phones instead of the clean water and the bush meat, that, that, that's a very important aspect of the, of, of the Ebola right. uh, study on that. Huh. Interesting. And, and, you know, with, with these people... I mean, there's a 2008 article out there about Nathan Wolf of how he's warning of the next global pandemic. And, and I find it interesting that this is how the, narr the media narrative always arranges this, as these were the people that were doing this research and warning us that this was going to happen and then it happened. But we find out actually that they're the ones actually doing the research to make it happen and to produce it and create these types of things. <laughs> it's it, it's almost like a movie and that's part of the reason why he was a technical advisor on the contagion for the contagion movie itself uh, so uh the skull foundation that actually funded metabiota was the the funding uh provided the funding and he was a technical advisor on that movie as well so yes was there programming and predictive programming on this and the reason why many people saw the similarities between the outbreak that we had with uh uh with covid and what you saw with the movie why they were very similar is because you had the main man that was looking for the viruses he was the technical advisor on that movie well and, and he i mean he's connected to eco health alliance this is peter dazik this is chapel hill north carolina where some of the original gain of function research occurred for the creation of this we know by uh from dr martin that a lot of this research was done in 2004 2002 that they they had actually created novel coronaviruses created sars in 2002 2004 they had created and or at least uh, deviated the coronavirus away from animals and into the human occupancy around the 1960s the 1990s they first tried to create in the first mrna vaccines these people have been at this for a very very long time yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and, you know, he was handpicked, I think, from um, from a Dr. Um, Donald Burke to actually some of this research. Um, just, um, yeah, so you have created the pandemic insurance program, which he tried to sell. Um, so the company was going to be doing pandemic insurance. It was going to be doing pandemic tracking and create the AI tool to track the worldwide pathogens. That was the main biota was selling. Um, and so it just so happens that the same person that got the government funding to research these uh, these these um, viruses, he was the same person selling the pandemic insurance and pandemic tracking tools um, when, when COVID uh, happened. Uh, and this is mind blowing that there's this long lineage of eugenicists within philanthropies and global organizations like those organized by Soros and Gates and that fund these exact people who are sitting there talking about, you know, 
population ending pandemics that are going to come who are doing gain of function research, weaponized research into the actual viruses that can do it. And they're the ones in the public. I, it's just, it's just mind blowing. Well, okay. Going to Ukraine. So we see Russia go in there and we know that Vladimir Putin for the last eight years, nine years now, was going to the UN Security Council, was complaining about what the Ukrainian government, the Azov the Nazi battalions, were doing in the Donbass region, um, that there was well over 14,000, 16,000 deaths within that region, um, targeted genocide, as a few of the names mentioned, medical experimentation, um, as well as just going in there and pure terrorism, um, cleansing out of the Donbass the ethnic Russian people in that area. Um, and he had talked about this on multiple occasions. And I think he actually came to negotiations with Trump. And a lot of that did stop. This is what some of the phone calls with Zelensky were about um, after Poroshenko was removed. But obviously, when Biden came in, Putin knew that that was no longer going to be the case. And this is why Putin uh, decided to go in with this special military operation, denazify Ukraine and uh, take out these bio labs because he knew that these were the heart and the source. Um, and, and I want to say this when when blue comes back in. But I, I find it interesting because uh, I think it was War Clandestine actually put this out there, game, is that did you notice that all the COVID variants stopped after Russia in, uh, went into Ukraine? Yeah, uh, we, me and Blue actually have, um, <clears throat> we have a very uh, deep history with War Clandestine that we don't want to really highlight no worries uh, no worries well what i was trying to say is that it, with uh, him he, he put out a few weeks ago that isn't it interesting that um the all of the variants disappeared right after russia invaded ukraine and i find that incredibly coincidental because i think that we all know that potentially what they were developing there and, and correct me if i'm wrong uh because if we start looking at the uh uh what these investments in all these companies are really about is they're trying to create genetically targeted bioweapons, bioweapons that target various different genes within the DNA of ethnic, uh, various ethnicities of people. So that if they wanted to, they could release a virus that gets you and me sick, but takes out all the people with a weaker gene pool in a hereditary, uh, that have a sort of hereditary illness, or they wanted to take out, you know, ethnic, uh, you know, Chinese or, you know, just these types of people or these types of people. This is a, apparently what I, I see as what they were trying to create. What are you you're exactly you're, you're exactly right. I have I have the documents um, from the Air Force research projects where they were actually um, collecting RNA synovial fluids from people of Russian descent only, not Ukrainian. It specifically says not Ukrainian but Russian. Um, and so th this was coming out and I was actually seeing, um, people talk about this in, in, um, you know, translating some of the Russian articles, it was being talked about, um, in, uh, uh late December, um, early January prior to the war starting. And it, the interesting thing is after the war started and, you know, uh, I was taken off, um, uh, Twitter. So was, um, so was, uh, um, the, um, the other person you mentioned, I can't or, remember his name. Clandestine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, clandestine. So we were both doing kind of parallel research. We weren't working together, but we both were putting out the same information and we both got taken down around the same time. 
um, for talking about the bio labs. And I believe probably there were there's many others that, that were probably doing the same thing at that same time. Um, and what's interesting is because at the end of and, and had we had been on, we would have been talking about at the end of March, the Russian foreign minister published a timeline of the U.S. Ukraine bio research headed by and, and this is the, 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 what they called it. They called it bio Biden. Um, and of the 23 timeline points that she listed. Um, Nathan Wolf, or the organizations associated with him, um, uh, Metabiota and Global Viral, they were explicitly mentioned in, in eight of them. So they were uh, coming out with this information right after, um, you know, the war started. And you had this massive um, campaign going where you couldn't talk about, you know, all the flags, the Ukrainian flags were in everybody's bios. Everybody was behind Ukraine. You couldn't listen to anything from Russia uh, news. But that's because Russia was putting out their first reports on what they had found in the bio labs. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I, I, I want to just touch on this for a second, and then we'll come back to this. Uh, you know, one of the things, have you ever investigated the Uranium One scandal and, and saw what was actually happening there with U.S. Uranium that Hillary Clinton and Secretary of State was selling to Russia um, through proxy to Iran? Um, one, a few things about these is that we have spectrometers in space on satellites that can detect this refined uranium utilized for nuclear reactors and nuclear weapons. And so when the U.S. is giving Russia their uranium, we can track and detect where this is going due to the radioactive isotopes. And Russia knew this. And we knew that Russia was skimming off of the top because they were just a middleman through this Canadian company known as Uranium One, which Justin Trudeau had a, a certain financial interest in. Um, that Russia was the middleman giving this specifically to Iran to help create this by the U.S. Um, and one of the things that I heard through my contacts and sources was that this uranium was being utilized by Russia to restart nuclear weapon program development, but it wasn't being done in Russia. We got to remember in 2011, um, Yanovic came in and he was pro-Kremlin. He wanted to, to be out of the Minsk agreements. He wanted to go into Ukraine and basically ally themselves with Russia. And he was good friends with Putin. And during this time is when the Uranium One thing was going on. So one of the things that I was told was that Russia had basically started weapons, a nuclear weapon operations, uh, development operations underneath Chernobyl, underneath the Zakharovsha uh, nuclear plant and these other nuclear facilities. And this is one of the main reasons why when we saw this um, incursion into Ukraine, that Russia specifically went to the nuclear facilities and went to control them. Because after the 2014 control uh, uh, coup, this... The, the nuclear weapon program development that was going on there that was secret went fell back under the hands of the deep state, the globalists, and the U.S. Have you guys heard anything about that? Um, well, yeah, but it wasn't just happening in Ukraine. It was also happening in Kazakhstan. Yeah. Um, and Kazakhstan in uh, 1994, they tra transferred more than a half a ton of weapon-grade uranium to the U.S. Um, and then... Uh, it was 2015. This is, this is the key point in, in Kazakhstan. The U.S. spent $275 million to help eliminate weapons of mass destruction in 2015 under the DOD um, cooperative threat reduction. But that's also the same time that we started a 
Central Reference Lab that was found, uh, funded by the U.S. in Almaty in Kazakhstan. So it, 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 while Ukraine is getting all the attention and, um, you know, you remember that uh, prior to the invasion, uh, you know, the Russian invasion in Ukraine, uh, there was a coup attempt that happened in Kazakhstan in January um, and uh, the, tried to bring on the color revolution in Kazakhstan. And it was un very unsuccessful because Russia went in with and, and secured it. But it was in Almaty, the same place as the lab there, too. So, um, it, you know, when you have all this stuff going along and, and people don't understand, it's not just Ukraine. Uh, the U.S. has gone into all these countries and made agreements and, and different things for the resources and, uh, you know, for money to have their labs there all along Russia's borders. Uh, Georgia, Georgia's another one, um, the country of Georgia. And uh, so it was it was really at no surprise to me that Russia had, you know, had <laughs> had its limit when when, of course, uh, they invaded Ukraine because, you know, uh, I think it it was going to be started off if 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 U.S. would have been successful, it would have happened started in Kazakhstan first. Hmm. Interesting, Ka Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. <laughs> Kazakhstan. I'm 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 trying to read and and yeah, uh, trying to keep up at the same time. Which I, I want to highlight: uh, the Bidens have a very very deep interest in Kazakhstan, uh, and it has to do with human trafficking. I, I'm not going to delve it deep into it, but I do want the audience to be uh highlight that and and try to remember that because there's going to be key details in trump's speeches uh later on throughout the many weeks about his his um uh, uh photos on his laptop and um just a brief summary if you guys look at the photo dates on hunter biden's laptops and then you look at the dates of the receipts uh of uh hunter biden's uh you know, how he's made a lot of transactions uh, through Wells Fargo and his cash app, you'll kind of see that there's a lot of Kazakhstan relations going on um, with with basically purchasing prostitutes. I, I, I know that's kind of completely you guys off see my the topic, but I just <clears throat> want to highlight that. Can you see my screen? Um, I see it. Yeah. October 17th, 2020, Hunter Biden also had business dealings in Kazakhstan, according to a report. Uh, between 2012 yeah, and Father Joe Biden served as vice president. Hunter Biden worked as a go-between between, between uh, Kenneth Rasikev and Kazakh or oligarch with close ties to the country's longtime kleptocratic leader, uh, Nur Sultan Nezabaryev. And this was done um, with the $1 million investment from Rakashev to filmmaker Alexandra Forbes Kerry, the daughter of ex-senator and former Democratic presidential nominee, John Kerry. Um, this is interesting because I don't know, like I'm a, I'm one of those Q guys. I like, I, I like the old boards um, and Donald Trump makes reference to this stuff. And yesterday, Donald Trump made reference to Pandora's box has been opened, right? So he said on a podcast yesterday, Pandora's box has been opened. He said the seal has been broken and Pandora's box has been opened. The seal is something that we made a prediction about in October 2020 that Donald Trump would be the first rest of first indictment, the unseal. When you unseal something, you break the seal. So there's that. And then with uh, the, the, the Q stuff, and, and I'll just post this. And I mean, it doesn't matter if you guys think that this is, um, you know, psyop or disinfo or not, but check this out. It is right here, 4935 and 4888. This was Donald Trump said Pandora's box has been opened. 
Well, these are the two Q posts that relate to Pandora's political elite box. This one is exactly Hunter Biden reportedly also had business ties in Kazakhstan. And then this is Jim Biden, uh, Jim Hunt and Hunter Biden's connection to the joint venture at CEFC Energy in China with uh, target investment potentials with um, you have Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Amy Klobuchar, Feinstein, Gildebrandt, Cuomo, de Blasio, McLaughlin, uh, and so forth. So I, I find it really interesting that he says this because in my perspective, what Donald Trump's about to do is he's about to go on the offensive in the sense of information dissemination and start putting as much information out there as possible to take these people down because now they're coming for basically to hang him. And so I, I think that he referenced yeah. to these boards and that this Pandora's political elite box was specifically mentioning this stuff right here, which you guys just mentioned in the sense of the connection to Kazakhstan, which is that one article I was just shown within the post, which directly connects to Kerry. It connects to uh, basically financial interest. And, and one thing I think it's important to note for everybody out there is that these business deals are covering up illicit activity. I, I, that's one thing that people have to understand. These front and center business deals are covering up illicit activity. It's the illicit activity that's really being funded in the back end of what these business deals are being made for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, because, that, that, you know, um, it, it, the same year that Hillary Clinton um, led the delegation into the, um, Kazakhstan, they, they, that's when they broke ground on the new lab there. Um, and so it, it all ties in together. And I think people need to understand that there's only certain places in the world where you can get um the weapon grade uranium i mean you can find uranium in many places in the world but it's not going to be the weapon grade kind and so um that goes back to einstein where he wrote about um the places in the world where you can actually find weapon grade uranium so that it's very important these these places where we've gone um uh, where some of the leaders have gone are the, those exact places <laughs> so yep. And in, in Kazakhstan, I believe, is one of the number one sources on the planet for uh, that weapon grade uranium that they can actually get. And so it, it is. Yeah. And, and I mean, there was actually a whole thing through the Manhattan Project of how the United States was uh, basically going into African nations and getting the other sources because Russia had basically a monopoly on it because of Kazakhstan. But that's a story for another day. Um, okay. You know the the, the the big the biggest thing the biggest thing I think that that we really need to realize is the fact that we have so many different power players in this. It's not just the Bidens. It's companies like J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, um, and and I, a slew of others that that literally were profiting off of COVID uh, prior to it happening. There, there's even there's even like um, as as you know far back or as soon as or as recent as 2019 metabiota was profiting off of of the coronavirus uh prior to the who the world health organization um stating that the coronavirus was a pandemic um th that's the key thing that that i i think that we we need to highlight further is is the fact that hunter biden in 2014 invested in this pandemic response company that sells pandemic insurance um, uh, through Rosemont Seneca and the Department of Defense gave them a contract a week after that. Uh, and then you see Metabiota 
working in Africa, uh, I, I believe Sierra Leone, uh, through the Ebola outbreak. The Ebola outbreak happens. They bungled that whole entire thing. And the fact that Vice President Biden was the czar, the so-called czar of the Ebola outbreak. These people have a hand in every single outbreak that we have uh, came across uh, for the past 11, 12 years. And, uh, you know, and, and it's not, this, is, this information is not speculative. The proof is there. The documents are there. And, you know, and it's funny, if you guys look at the, the main guy behind Metabiota, he, he calls himself the monkey bat uh, virus hunter, the monkey bat coronavirus hunter. That's his nickname for himself. Uh, so we're, we're dealing with very evil, sinister people. And you guys don't think, for, for those who are doubting all of this information, let's look at prior history on what are what the United States has done to its own citizens. You look at uh, Pruitt Ebo. Uh, Pru- look this up in real time, guys. Pruitt Ebo was an apartment building in St. Louis, Missouri. And just, uh, you know, in, in our generation, the United States put a radiation powder in the vents of this apartment building just to study the effects, the health effects of these citizens, the American citizens. Then you have uh, things like the FBI taking and and following around a terrorist who went to a library to shoot people uh, because of a Mohammed drawing contest. And the FBI got out of their car, filmed it with their their own cell phones, and allowed this person to shoot two individuals, and then left the scene, got pulled over by the local police department uh, with guns drawn, and was uh, pretty much almost arrested because of uh, suspicious activity. Uh, look at Cheryl Atkinson, a journalist, uh, taking and being spied on, on on the Obama administration, and then uh, they threatened to put a certain type of porn on her husband's computer. These are the type of people we're dealing with. They're not good people. They're sinister. They hate America. And and that it was very revealing yesterday when I listened to Alina Haba, uh, Trump's spokeswoman, uh, after his arraignment, highlighting the fact that these people hate America. They hate America. They don't love America. They hate America. And every single one of these individuals had knowledge about the pandemic before it happened. And I, I think that that's, that's, I mean, we can go elsewhere, but that's that's the gist of, of the information. Well, and, and I like where this is going. And you know, Metabiota, so just kind of recap for everybody out there, Metabiota, obviously funded by Rosemont Seneca, has ties all around the world to these various different uh, bio labs. Nathan Wolf, uh, a globalist puppet that has been involved in these projects to create these bioweapons for various different governments, including the United States government at these bio labs around the world. We're, we're, we, we come out and we say that these bioweapons were more directly supposed to be targeting various genetic and um, um, genetic strands. So specifically ethnicity, hereditary, uh, or various different types of illnesses, whether to uh, further a eugenics operation or not. Um, but I want to transition this a little bit because I, I've done some research myself and I put some stuff out there, not nearly as popular as you guys. But, you know, Bill Gates and and George Soros uh, about a year and a half ago created what's known as the Global Access Health, the GAH, a consortium um, that 
went out there and made its first initial purchase. The purchase that they did was a British biotech firm by the name of MoLogic. MoLogic, if you've ever taken one of those uh, peon pregnancy tests that you have to pee on the pregnancy test, MoLogic owns that technology. Well, in 2018, MoLogic received a $500,000 grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to develop a fast-acting test for zoologic viruses um, and illnesses. And uh, what ended up happening, George Soros and Bill Gates go in there and they buy this. Why? Because all the fast-acting swab tests that people were doing during COVID-19 was MoLogic who created these tests. Now, what did you have to do? You had to swab it really deep up inside. You had to put it into a thing, secure it, and you had to send it off to get it back. What they were doing, actually, and this is one of the big speculations, and I'll, I'll kind of um, expand on this, is they were collecting DNA samples. Ann Wachowski, the, the wife to Sergey Brin, the founder of Google, owns 23andMe. What do they do? They collect samples of DNA. You have Google's parent company, Alphabet, who is invested highly in various different biotech companies, more, more specifically, biotech companies that deal with the modification, the transcription of DNA and the alteration of DNA and the synthetic bio biology that can stem from it. You have research that has come out uh, from Whitney Webb, an investigative journalist covering the whole Epstein thing, that this has nothing to do with child, child pedophilia, that that is secondary to what is actually occurring, that the primary thing here, and they talk about um, the Southern Trust Company that Jeffrey Epstein had within the Caribbean, created in 2012, consulting service, data mining, medical, the biomedical information, financial information, but most primarily DNA data mining firm. They were going out there and they were targeting various different children within these impoverished neighborhoods, mentally ill, poor, autistic, abused, orphan children. They were targeting them and taking their genetic information. Um, Co-founder Sergio Brin and Larry Page of Google, both of Alphabet, were subpoenaed by the Virgin Islands um, DA. That DA was then fired. Uh, Larry Page is still in hiding. He's been subpoenaed in this investigation. I believe he's dead. I don't believe that they're going to find him. I think that he is dead and uh, because he he got scared. He he had a, um, a, a talk with Elon Musk at a party at his house. And this is where Elon Musk said their friendship ended because he said he wanted to become a technological god. He wanted to rule over humanity as a, a technologist. Um, now you have this Google connection that comes in. In the Caribbean, Google has a data um, a data farm, a data farm out there. On the same island that Google owns this data farm is a company called the New Albany Company. This was created by Jeffrey Epstein and Lex Wesner. Uh, we know Lex Wesner was... You look at InQtel as well. Yeah, well, yeah, and this is all related to InQtel. I mean, InQtel went out there and funded Google, gave them the search algorithm and the Google Maps technology. This came out from a former CIA agent who was one of the people who headed the deal. Um, could, could I? Could I kind yeah, of? Yeah, go ahead. I, I was, on, of, I was um, on a ramp. Go ahead. Let me, because you, you're, you're, uh, you're speaking in a, a very intelligent manner. I'm going to dumb down things a little bit because that's that's the. <laughs> that's that's my forte. <laughs> um, in QTEL, uh, just to highlight the data collection, uh, the data collection specifically. Um, I know that you guys have that when when Josh started the show, he was spot on when it comes to data collection. That is the the currency. It's always been the currency. Data collection is the number one tool that the government use uses to 
basically create their plan. Um, let me let me highlight a few things for you. Uh, you look at um, let's look at Metabiota specifically in NQTEL. What they what they do is they they collect data to know where viruses are being spread. Uh, so if you go on Google and you type in "I got the sniffles." You know that goes into a data collection system, and they allow they they can see in real time everybody that has the sniffles who who is typed. Let me let me say it this way: uh, social media, for example, Facebook. Facebook is more of a regional, more of a you know um, a regional pinpoint uh, location. They look at who you're connected with, and mainly it's uh, your friends, family, people you went to school with, businesses in your community. So they, they kind of collect that data in a regional aspect. Twitter is more of a worldwide conversation. They collect data to see what the political climate is, what you guys are talking about on a day-to-day -day basis. Then Google, Google is more of a mindset thing. It's an individual thing. They collect data on what you're, what, what you're really thinking about what what type of uh you know what type of sicknesses you have what's what you're buying what you're selling all of that so data collection is a very uh impactful tool for the government to use to plan these events and to uh plan their scripts on what they need to say in order to combat uh your thinking uh so i'm i'm glad i'm kind of glad that you're going in that direction well, yeah, and and so you're right, data collection. And and so with Alphabet, though, there, there's a few points here. I mean, you have Illumina, which is a California-based company, sequences the array-based solution of genetic and genomic al analysis owned by Alphabet. You have Idea Biosciences. They own 17 biotech companies specifically that deal with genetic modification, CRISPR-Cas9 type technology, or, or data mining of DNA type of information. And I think that that's really specific because whatever's going on here, and I have my theories on why there's 8 million children missing each year, why they're utilizing children, why pedophilia is being acted as the cover for what they're actually doing. OK, but what we're actually seeing here is an operation to basically target various people, create these various different types of uh, viruses that target genetically specific, ethnically specific people, um, as well as obviously propagate biotech industry, bring about synthetic DNAs and the integration of transhumanism. This is the big part, the integration of technology into the body. If you're going to do experimentation on um, transhumanism, how to integrate various different types of nanotechnology and microchips into the human body. I mean, for goodness sake, we can barely get our heart to be taken by a new human being from another human being. How are they going to do that with technology? Well, you're going to have to find a resilient biospecimen that has a very, very strong and healthy immune system that doesn't have damaged DNA or telomeres. And who is that? That's children. And this is exactly what they're doing. Now, check this out, because I don't know if Blue Canary has seen this yet or any of you. This is a new website, the National Institutes of Health All of Us Research Program. The All of Us Research Program, the future of health begins with you. 
This is going out in all 50 states. You, 1 million participants in diverse communities, equals health discoveries in individualized prevention, diagnosis, and treatment for all. And how does this work? You create an account. You answer the questions. You donate your bio samples. You receive $25. They choose if you like to receive your DNA results, and you continue to participate. What is this? This is a government DNA collection program that they just launch genomics and your dna results your dna short dioxyribonucleic acid what you can learn they're giving you all the advantages of this but basically the government is no longer hiding it they want your dna and they're trying to collect it and the big question is why why do they want to collect it why have jeffrey epstein Lex wesner google alphabet parent company the cia front facebook why are they all investing in transhumanism artificial intelligence and going after the dna of individuals why clandestinely were these bio labs ran that were creating bio targeted by uh, genetically targeted bioweapons towards various ethnicities at the same time collecting this genetic data on these people so that's my question to you guys what are your thoughts on all this blue is actually studied this Awesome. What? I didn't hear you. No, he said that you had studied the, this. The DNA collection and, and. Um, I think it's actually extension of the. Uh, I mean, I go back to to World War Two and what they were do, trying to complete then. Um, and I actually think it's a continuation of like, uh, and not the Third Reich, but the Fourth Reich, and who knows what that was, it, it, what that entailed. Um, they've been looking for the perfect race from way back then. Um, and I think that this is just an extension of it. Um, and, and if I would have found like the documents that say, okay, this is, you know, um, and I know that um, the movie, The Hunters, um, which was a series about, uh, uh, you know, the, the late 70s or late 60s early 70s and about the the war in in the u.s between the the jewish people that had got here and the scientists that were brought here the german scientists i i do think there was a lot of truth in that um it, it, you know it was a you know fictional series but i do believe there was a lot of truth in that um and, and i think that that's there's an extension and we just we don't know those plans but I, that's that's kind of where I, I feel like it, that's where it's, it's never stopped. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. With, with the, you know, uh, there, there's a, there was a project in Ukraine that uh, blue covered, uh, I would say about four or five months ago of, of collecting or basically using children as, as experiments to take and, and collect uh, their DNA, um, and then there's also a huge uh, organ harvesting, which, you know, they use the DNA to study uh, any type of, um, they, they, they study everything, but specifically for the organ uh, uh, harvesting, they, they study the sicknesses of, of your, your genealogy, your, your DNA composition. And, uh, you know, like you said, Jeffrey Epstein and, and Ghislaine Maxwell, if you look at Ghislaine Maxwell, she has even a, a connection with uh, with Nathan Wolf, the the owner of the Metabiota. Um, they're they're good friends with each other. These people are all connected with this. And, uh, you know, Blue, if you could, uh, you know, highlight highlight the fact that that uh, over the harvest, um, the organ harvesting 
and and how they collect all that and and as well as i would like to get into the peru story that she's she's uncovering because this is breaking news this is explosive news that the media is not reporting yet um well yeah i think that um you know the ukrainian um organ harvesting and um uh human trafficking that's going on. Um, there's, there's, there's so many different aspects to, I mean, Ukraine was not a good place prior to this. And that's what kind of shocked me that so many people took that, um, took that bait, put the flag up. And it, there was a lot of people. I mean, I had conversations and arguments with people that I, you know, I was like, wait a minute, did you hear anything I said prior to this? Um, because it was a, in 2014, the U.S. State Department's trafficking in persons reported uh, children in orphanages and crisis centers um, continued to be particularly vulnerable to trafficking within Ukraine. I mean, it was num it was like on the the number one list uh, for human trafficking in in Europe. But a lot of people don't understand is the the organs. Um, there's many countries, including um, Israel and some other countries, Haiti. that they. I'm sorry. Haiti. Uh, Haiti was a big part of the uh, trafficking of, of kids as well. Right. Um, but there's a lot of countries that they don't have access to all of these organs. Um, they don't do human, um, you know, trans, trans, uh, they don't have all the, the people available for the transplants that they need. Um, and so that's why they they go into these other countries to to up, obtain them. I mean, there uh, twelve people were arrested in 2010 for selling human organs from Ukraines to to Israelis. It was kidneys. So um, you know, China's been long known for for uh, harvesting you know the Falun Gong people and using the prisoners from Falun Gong as. Uh, uh, in their organ harvesting project. I mean, you can actually look at the numbers of how many um, organ transplant surgeries went on. And then after they, uh, you know, imprisoned all the, the Falun Gong people, that the, that the number of transplants just went, you know, way through the roof compared to what they had previously done. So, yes, there's that, keeping the... Um, the people that are elite and rich and keeping them <laughs> the wealthy, keeping them alive and well and able to have these transplants and um, the cells, the, uh, you know, the fetal cells to keep them young. And it's all about them, you know, being able to to live and every, you know, it's. Um, uh, yeah, to keep everybody alive and but also, you know, they're experimenting with who has the best genetics-wise and different things, but, um, you know, the wealthy are going to stay alive because they have the means to to have these, you know, to go into places or have people go into places and get these organs from people that uh, don't, you know, uh, the soldiers of Ukrainian war, it's, they've been um, used, they have programs that, that they get the, um, even using the soldiers from the war, the, um, they're, they're, um, I mean, I'm sorry. The Red Cross. I mean, the right. Red Cross has a whole history of being directly connected to the ancient apothecaries. Uh, one of my my co-hosts and, and uh, good friends, David Whitehead, has the cult of the medics .com. And this is an occult history of the ancient apothecaries of the uh, the, the, the the hospitals, the Knights Hospitals, which are the Knights uh, um, Malta, the, the Knights Templars. And this is where the Red Cross actually comes from. The cross from the Red Cross is from the Templars Cross. 
um, and how they were basically on every battlefield. And you got to wonder why. And, you know, what were the what is the Red Cross actually doing in all these countries that they go into collecting blood and plasma? Well, they sell that plasma on the, the open and free markets for a massive markup in price. Not only that is obviously there's this connection to the warfare that the Red Cross are always there on the ground during wars. Well, why? Most likely doing exactly what you're talking about, taking the organs out of these people and putting them into the, uh, the markets and selling them for massive profits because we know who owns the, the Red Cross. Right. And so, you, you know, you have all of that um, going on. And then, um, you know, then you have countries, uh, you know, like our country having the bio labs, not in just um, what, what game was talking about Peru, um, because everybody's seeing the, the large outbreak of dengue fever um, now in uh, Peru. And when I was looking through some of the government contracts recently, I saw lots of money going to labs there, lots of money going to international narcotics and law enforcement bureau it's it's part of the state department um and we they also just had a coup there in that country and so i can see that you know uh lots of money going into the research there and uh, the main uh it's under the, the main... guise of it's under the guise of national security for for peru though and that's 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 the ruse that's going on if you look at the contracts it, it's basically for yeah, a lot of a, a lot of there's seven hundred. Is it seven hundred soldiers, Lou? Right, there's seven hundred seven hundred uh, U.S. troops going to um, to Peru to help with the um, you know with the the political situation that's going on there. However, what I found was that even in um, Honduras and some of the other countries where our soldiers go. Uh, when they get there within the first week or two that they're there, they're asked to give a blood and stool sample when they get there. And then when they leave in, uh, you know, six months or eight months from then, then they're given another sample. So they're collecting the data and um, uh, of the soldiers that are in these countries to see, you know, uh, whatever they're being exposed to. Now, the unfortunate lab in Peru, not there's three. So there's one in uh, Lima, Peru. There's and there's two others. Well, there's one that's right on the uh, right on the edge of, and there's a lot of tribal uh, groups that still live there. A lot of poor, um, impoverished people, and there's no main roads to go into there. Uh, so the only means of transportation to get there is a plane or a boat. Uh, they don't have a lot of communications there, um, but. The lab there is actually um, releasing the mosquitoes and then testing the people. And, um, that's why we're seeing the big outbreak. Well, you're right. And uh, I, I just read the article um, that the there's 2 million mosquitoes being released every week in that area from the genetically modified Bill Gates project in that specific area. Yeah, yes. And and it's and it's so sad because these people actually believe that they're being helped, and we are the only source of income for some of them. Maybe it's twenty U.S. dollars a week or whatever. Um, they have no other means, so they're not going to turn on, um, you know, turn on the, you know, I've heard from many people that have that are that are in there and saying, you're, you know, this this information is completely censored in our country, um, and I'm like. 
so the outbreak is is real um and it's not just dengue it's malaria there's there's other <laughs> viruses that i can't pronounce um and chikungunya is one of them um but there's another one it's uh, it's it's another bad it's more like malaria type of uh disease but are you talking about mar mar marbia or something like that marburg there's mar marburg marburg well but there's one it's lit there's uh many uh research projects going on um i would have to look up the name is lifasania or something it, it's actually a european disease and but now it's in peru um, so they're testing it. They're testing all these things in that area of the Amazon River. Um, it, you know. It yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got this article pulled up right here. This is Bill Gates reveals the factory breeding 30 million mosquitoes every week. And this is in Medellin, Colombia. Um, that's just one. And now we'll bring this one up right here and show everybody this one. I know she had connection issues. This is lab to release 2 million mosquitoes a week, and this is in Guangzhou, China. I mean, guys, this is what's happening right now. This is what is really going on, and they're utilizing mosquitoes as a medium to basically spread and test these various illnesses and diseases that they're trying to propagate. And well, not, only, not only that, but they, they test them on monkeys. They sit there and hang these monkeys in netted you know in nets and allow these monkeys to be attacked by by mosquitoes and mm -hmm. and then they study they study the the health effects of these monkeys i mean man i i can't begin to tell you one how incredible blues research is on the peru uh thing that because this this is going to be the next big story guys uh this this peru outbreak that this um this outbreak of this disease, it's killed over 200 children. And even, uh, uh, I believe blue highlighted the other day, a 30 year old man, uh, was even killed, uh, through this disease. Uh, and then you look at the borders, you look at, and I wanted blue to kind of get the stats behind the migration of, uh, Peruvians, uh, to the United States, because if, if they are doing a mass migration, uh, to the United States, then we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a huge problem. Uh, well, Blue's back. Uh, her her seven VPNs kicked back in and allowed her to uh, <laughs> come back with us. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's going to be through the people, though. I actually believe it's going to be through the mosquitoes that they're that they're uh, you know testing. If they get a good batch, then they're going to take them and they're going to. I mean, it, it, you guys don't know how easy it is that that this to be used as a bioweapon because. All you have to have is, oh, guess what? An El Nino year where we have a, a, a lot more rain than we usually do. And you have them go and put some of these, uh, the mosquito larvae in some of these, uh, you know, areas. And you're going to have a, you're going to have a huge outbreak here. It's so, gonna so be, interesting it's, you just said that because you know what we start in the next two weeks, right? What is that? El, El Nino. Nino. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, see, that's what I really believe that's where it's going to come. I think it's we're going to see a, a huge outbreak um, with these mosquito borne illnesses this year. And I think that they've been modified. And that's that's the whole thing that I'm trying to um, let people know is, I mean, there's something that um, we can all do. And it's the only thing that I know and, and completely aware of that it's been tested over and over. It's the ivermectin. Um, because it will stop 
the the uh, it'll stop the the virus the viral loads the viral yeah. load from replicating because once it breaks out people they're going to do the same thing that they did before oh we can't do anything for you and uh, what from what I've seen is dengue because uh, Peru had eradicated this type of mosquito and dengue fever in the 70s completely eradicated it the mosquito was no longer found there we moved the um the namru lab which was the navy um navy medical research unit six we moved that lab in there in 83 and in 84 the mosquito and dengue was back and it has gone up ever since and including many more new diseases um, have also been, um, you know, found there. Uh, when I looked at, okay, what else has gone on? What have we done there that's good? You know, we have a lab there in this area that's, you know, inaccessible to many people. Well, that same area was where they had their first outbreak of COVID. Mm -hmm. And Peru has had more COVID deaths than any other country in the world. So how, with us having four, three labs there, and we're helping, we're supposed to be helping this country uh, with these, you know, infectious diseases. Why are they having the most deaths of all of the other countries in the world? I, you know, this is, I, I'm pulling up the articles right now, at least 200 dead, more than 130,000 infected, uh, Peru battles major Denog, uh, Denug outbreak. This is today that this is happening right now. Uh, most of the deaths taking place in northern Peru. Um, health officials and hospitals are paralyzed. Medical personnel from across the country are flocking to treat those infected with the viral disease. Um, guys, th this is this is it. I mean, this could potentially be exactly what we said was going to happen. And so Denog, which is spread to humans and infected, the Addis mosquitoes can cause fever, headache, and vomiting and rash, severe infections, particularly secondary ones that can be fatal. The vaccine became available last year in the U.S. Of course it did. And, um, you know, I, I know that you just mentioned that 500 kids had died. Now, this is interesting because we were pulling up these articles as well um, that we got, um, you know, lab releases 2 million mosquitoes a week in uh, Gangzhou, China. We have Bill Gates, 30 million mosquitoes being released in Medellin, Colombia. We have um, 2 million mosquitoes released each week by the Oxitec firm, biotech firm in the Florida Keys. This is happening right now, people. Uh, and, and I'm blown away by this because what I find interesting, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but we all knew about event 201 that occurred right before COVID came out. And that was John Hopkins University, uh, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Health Organization, where they mapped out the exact scenario that happened during COVID, including the mRNA vaccine that was going to be rushed in to save the world populace. Well, this is the one that occurred on October 22nd, 2022, last year, called Catastrophic Contagion. And how catastrophic contagion is basically a, a illness that is going to come across. I believe they called it the adenovirus, which is a um, a stomach and intestinal virus that causes massive uh, bloating in the stomach as well as uh, vomiting. But it's going to primarily target children. And that in this fictitious scenario, 1 billion people globally are infected and there's 100 million deaths. So a 10% death rate and those 100 million deaths are all children. 
And so we have Tedros at the WHO. Sounds, sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It does. I mean, then you have Tedros from the World Health Organization saying the next pandemic's coming in five years. Well, that doesn't make any sense because we typically have a pandemic every five years, and we just apparently went through one. How do you know that's going to be the next one in five years? They obviously have the World Health Organization pandemic agreement that's coming with all the countries where they take over uh, the, the medical controls of each country. Um this is happening. This could potentially be the big distraction that people have been expecting and waiting for. And I'm, I'm just seeing this article today, 200 dead, more than 130,000 infected in Peru. We have the migrants coming over the border, the illegal immigrants. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, you, you heard it here first guys. Just remember Josh, when, when all this Josh and blue, they covered it, this real well. You, it's, so it's when it happens. Yeah, it's 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 very very concerning, especially number one that they're that they're using humans as ex, in, in experimental mode right now down in Peru. I think the whole thing is a big experiment down there, and they're trying to test out these different um, mosquitoes that have been um, infected with certain things, and, and and it could even be a vaccine because they they do have. Um, that technology now to to infect certain uh, you know mosquitoes with vaccines, certain uh, viruses, but with the um, yeah with the El Nino coming and um, the different things that we're hearing, this is a perfect scenario for um, a, a big outbreak to happen here as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it, and interesting enough is that Guangzhou, the other place that I was saying all these mosquitoes are being released. Um, have had major outbreaks of COVID over the last uh, uh, six months. And so this is where all those COVID outbreaks were occurring six months ago, 12 months ago, when all the Chinese people were rising up. And it was occurring just a few months after the mosquitoes were being released. So we have we have Bill Bill Gates meeting um, with Z this weekend, and then we also have um, in Lima, Peru, we have another uh, consortium of scientists meeting um, to to talk about the uh, the research with dengue. So you you do have um, people coming together to to discuss what's going on, and and I think the biggest person to worry about is of course um, you know Gates talking to Z about we we don't know what. So um, yeah. Well, is this a big distraction depopulation event to, to usher the world into a totalitarian world government? Um, have they been doing genetic research to find out the vulnerabilities within various different ethnicities and genetically modifying viruses around the world in these various bio labs that are geo-targeted within these ethnic areas to produce uh, these viruses using CRISPR-Cas9 that target them specifically. And it might not just be one virus. It could be, you know, a monkey pox. It could be smallpox. It could be dengue. It could be the Zika virus. And they just send this over into the mosquitoes over into those various geographic areas. And it begins wiping out parts of the population, especially the weaker parts with compromised immune systems. Um, is this the depopulation event that's occurring? Hmm. Um, I, I, I believe it, it's, it's really cause for concern, especially since, um, like I said, the big uh, um, effort in Peru to censor the information that goes to them, uh, you know, as um, uh, you know, they're still, dis you know, there's information about treatments. Because if you look anywhere, it'll say there's no treatment, there's no vaccine available. However, I found a contract where the U.S. purchased over a million, um, a million and a half um, 
doses of a, of a dengue vaccine for children. So, uh, you know, it, the, 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 the documents are there. It's just, you don't know what's going on because this whole thing just needs to stop. All of the gain of function and all of this research just needs, we find out what's going on with it. Well, you know, I, I will be honest with you because uh, this is stuff that I've been researching well over 30 years. And, um, you know, I've been wondering who or what these people are, what all this is about. And uh, this is a, an interesting story that came across my desk today. Synthetic human embryos made without eggs or sperm have been created in a scientific breakthrough. Okay. And this is what we know that they've been trying to do is this synthetic biology, synthetic life is a creation of the synthetic life. Now, there's lots of talk about Tartaria and all this stuff in the conspiracy world, but there is some things to draw concern. And, and this is the numbers game that I talk about. Uh, specifically, is if we look at the world's fairs back in the turn of the 20th century, is that you had incubators with infants in them in the 20th century. And at the World's Fair, these were marketed, advertised at the World's Fair as incubators with real babies in them, almost like there was no babies in the world. And there was this massive shortage. Not only that, is in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, where were all the parents? You had orphanages everywhere around the world and all these children with no parents. So something happened there. And I think that our history might be a little construed in a certain way, shape, or form. Another one game, and I think that you're good at pretty good at math, and maybe you can help me with this one. The population at the beginning of the 20th century, bring Canary in. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, the population at the beginning of the 20th century was 1 billion people on this planet. Okay? Now, follow along with me here. In the first 50 years of the 20th century, we have World War I, World War II, the Spanish flu, and then the rise of Marxism. From that, over a half a billion people perished from this planet, over 500 million people. In order for our current population to be topping that $8 billion mark, uh, mark $8, billion, $8 billion people, not dollars, $8 billion people today, if you do the math, each person born from 1900, the current day, would have to have eight children. Those children would have to have eight children, and those children would have to have eight children, which is statistically improbable. So the question is, is what was really going on in this historical context? Babies in incubators being um, propped up at the World's Fair saying actual real babies in incubators. They, they took them on a road show. We have... Thousands and hundreds of thousands of children within orphanages all around the world as if their parents didn't exist. We have this numbers game of 8 billion people today, 1 billion at the turn of the century, 500 million disappear in the first 50 years of the, of the 20th century. You can't have a population this size. The question is, is has this happened before? Have we been systematically annihilated before on this planet? Allowed to bring our numbers back up and then called again allowed to bring our numbers back up and called again, that there might be something else on this planet right now that is influencing all of this. And, and game, give me one second. We'll wrap up here. We got to get going. We're, we're five minutes over. Uh, but that's the question I'm going to leave to the audience, to game and blue canaries. 
Uh, we're going to continue this conversation another time. We're going to bring them back on. We're going to continue to go and dig deep into this. I have a rabbit hole to jump into because of Blue Canaries now. And this whole thing, <laughs> I got to go out there and write a blog on all this now because now my mind is just doing circles. Um, but Blue Canaries, Game Tech, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm I absolutely love doing shows with you guys, so I can't wait to have you guys back on. And every time that we do talk, we we uncover more and more stuff. So this is absolutely beautiful. Can't wait to have you guys on. You guys have an open invitation anytime you want to come back on the Daily Dose or Conversations on the Fringe. Uh, for everybody out there, much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys all take care. Have a great night. We're going to see you guys tomorrow night on another episode of the Red Pill Project Daily Dose. Take care. Have a good night. Appreciate you. Thank you. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace, or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. And uh, they call me iPatch the game. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Frankly, uh, if you look at the media, where the media is a closed media, we don't have an open free media anymore. They don't want to hear anything. They don't write about it. It's a, it's collusive. It's uh, nobody's ever seen anything like it. It all happened during this period of time. It happened just before the election. They wouldn't talk about certain subjects that you know better than anybody, Michael. And uh, you know that's the beginning of communism.